Welcome to People Who Teach, a podcast about the habits, beliefs, and ideas of real people who teach. My name is Brian Seppi, and I co-host this podcast with my talented colleague, Mr. Andrew Stella. We are excited to bring you this episode because in this episode, we talk about the mid-year slump that all educators face. It's a wall that we seem to kind of hit, and it's hard to pull ourselves out of it. But Andrew and I unpack six tips and strategies that help us reconnect with our purpose and become the driving force for pulling us through this really challenging time and making our work and our life just a little bit more enjoyable during this really challenging time. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing. Give us some feedback, offer some comments, and let us know how we're doing. We really appreciate your feedback. Let's get right into the episode. Here we go. Welcome to People Who Teach, a podcast about the habits, beliefs, and ideas of real people who teach. My name is Brian Seppi, and I am thrilled to share this space with my talented colleague, Andrew Stella. Welcome to the episode. Episode number three, Mr. Stella. Here we are. What's going on, Brian? How you been? We I feel like we haven't talked in a while. We missed last week, so yeah, um, things are things are good. You know, um, I can't complain. We um, we've done some things as a family uh, recently, and um, I have some some sort of parenting wins. You know, it's it's been a goal of mine is to to work on becoming. Uh, the father that I want to be for the boys and uh, certainly the partner that I want to be uh, for my wife. And, you know, having said that, I think this week was really good because I got both boys out for the first time to try something new. So we, as you know, in this area, we get a ton of snow mm-hmm. uh, last night included and took the kids out to kissing bridge, uh, local um, ski resort and got both boys up on snowboards, not with the mindset of like crushing it or anything like that, but with the sort of intent to take on something new and challenging and really understand what does it mean to learn something new and experience some failure. And, uh, the boys handled it really well. So we were, we were excited and, and, you know, we met up with some other people there and I think the kids had some socialization and some normalcy and, um, yeah, so it was just a big win for me. As like like a parent, I just kind of stood back. So then now the 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 next question logically is, you know, do you ski, right? Personally, and the answer is I don't ski. I've never skied. I've never snowboarded. I've never done anything. So the obvious question for my kids is, Dad, if we got out there and we did this work, um, shouldn't you also be out there learning with us? So the next step uh, at some point coming up soon is me getting out there and either snowboarding or skiing. So I will keep you posted as to my progress. Just like we talked about it on one of the last podcasts, making mistakes, learning from it, showing showing kids you're human, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What's your big parenting win? I I had a good one recently, um, which was great. I, my daughter asked me to go to Barnes and Noble and, uh, you know, I don't push reading too, too hard on my kids. When I was in school, I was not a big reader. I did not enjoy reading. And my daughter's teacher got her a Barnes and Noble gift card 
for Christmas. And on the weekend, she just said, Dad, I, I just I want to go get some books, you know, and, and that's the, and I said to her, you know, are, are you go, are you want to go for toys? And she's because usually that when they were sure. younger, that's what they wanted. They wanted to go to the toy section. But she goes, no, I, I want to get some books. And I was like, I'll always buy you books. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, and she, you know, we just walked around for like an hour and just browsed and like checked out tons of books. And it was just, just a great experience because that's one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah, that's so nice that she's finding sort of her own path with that, right? And and she's asking you, she's initiating that, which is what every teacher and parent um, certainly strives for, for sure. You know, it's funny, as I, was, as I was listening to you there, and I know this is episode three, so we've probably got what uh, I think on our, our shared list that we have over 50 ideas for for topics, but, but it just sort of triggered another idea for a topic, which is really showing the real examples of teachers. You know, where are you showing up where maybe you're in the learning zone too, or you're not taking on something that is so polished. And I know we hinted to those things, but really taking that on as a full-blown episode, because I think you're right, like, you know, sharing that story that you just shared there, which is because I was in the same boat. Um, it's so weird, your backgrounds. Now, I was not as an elite wrestler, but I certainly wrestled for a very long time. Um, but I had this sort of uh, other part of me that wanted to be super well-educated and well-read, but I just, I just resisted reading at all points I mean, even through high school, you know, like it was, it was tough. It was a tough go. And I think unpacking those things and letting kids know that like, it's, it, you know, it happens, um, but there are ways through it now. And I think we're better equipped as teachers right now to know that it's important to find, um, or help kids find their, their way with reading. Right. Like, yeah. yeah and you, and you ex certainly experienced that at grade three for sure. Well, yeah. And I, I also think that, uh, it's good what I'm trying to do right now is kind of flip the script on what we've normally done, the norms of teaching. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're just finishing a, a fantastic book right now. And we've just been enjoying the book and I'm telling them about the six other books that I want to read with them. And I'm trying to get a book that's, I want my kids leaving this year, not remembering being at home, learning online COVID. I want them to remember, man, Mr. Stella read me that mm. book. I'll never forget that book. That is so important that you say that. And I honestly have rocked up to many parent-teacher conferences and said that exact same thing. And I'm so glad that you're living that out because that's the place where I want my kids to be. I said, I, you know, honestly, I've rocked up to these parent-teacher conferences and I've said, as an educator, you know, the grades, I, I really am not going to put a lot of stock into that. Like you, I understand that that is a sort of long-standing system that we have and I get it, but and I'm not going to try and dismantle that in one parent-teacher conference, but what I do want my kids coming home about home with is being stoked about a book or being jacked up about an author. And I think that's exactly what you're describing there, which is like, we've got this long plan after a, after this and the kids are probably anticipating that plan too. Yeah. And I mean, this is the, our topic today is, you know, how, how are you dealing mm -hmm. with mid-year, right? So, you know, Brian and I kind of came into this like thinking of these different topics and typically this is a tough a tough time for teachers and I'm going to tell you you know as we move into like some tips and ideas for teachers on you know how to get through this tough time which it is every year this is my eighth year of teaching it's always just a a, a tough month because you're coming back from the first long break and and all sorts of things and your expectations get higher 
you mm-hmm. know, um, state testing might be around the corner. Who knows? There's just lots of things that are happening in the month of January. And I think a lot of teachers feel it and they don't quite know why. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, you know, and, and I was saying earlier um, to my wife that, you know, I'm having a great week this week, but mm-hmm. last week was not a great week for me. And it, it's just kind of this rock and roller coaster. And now we're on this COVID roller coaster, which is, who knows, it's just diff- it's a different time. But honestly, if I was in the classroom and things might be normal, January still might be a tough month. So, but going back to our topic, like, I think we're here to kind of provide some some tips, some ideas, some things. And that, and that's actually my first tip is make learning meaningful to the kids, right? Like read a book and keep the kids on the edge of their seat. And, mm-hmm. and I'm with another teacher and we're reading the same text right now. And we're on the last chapter and the kids are literally trying to Google the ending because somebody <laughs> told them that it was a sad ending and they just, they got to know. And they don't have the book right in front of them. Like we put it on a doc cam. Sure. And we're, we're doing it as a read aloud and it's just making that, um, that connection. And also, this is just a side note. I've never read this book before. So I'm experiencing every word with them. And, um, not only are they never going to forget this book and Mm -hmm. this year and, and this classroom, but they're, you know, I'm not going to forget them because of the book and the experience we shared together as well. So. That's so powerful. And you know, you you bring it up our topic for tonight, which is how are you getting through the middle of the year, this slippery slope that is January into February um, for some of our Northern territories. And I know the end of the school year comes much earlier for some of our our Southern states. But when we think of mid-year and we think of that first tip that you shared, which is finding the joy of experiencing something with your students like a read aloud or a book. And I love your approach, which is I'm going to try and read this thing cold with them. Um, it's not how I lead many of my PDs when I work with colleagues for, for preparing uh, interactive read aloud, mm-hmm. but I can certainly understand the joy that you're experiencing side by side because it truly is that shared experience because you're, you're probably hanging on to the edge of your seat just as much as they are. Mm-hmm. So that's really great. And things that I'm processing as well, when you, when sometimes I feel like when we, when we plan too much and we, and we do those things. Now I had a whole plan for this book. I had, you know, teachers pay teachers things and jam boards and sure. Mr. Brian Seppi got me the, the jot lot, which I absolutely loved. And I used it. And guess what? We used it once on a prediction because yeah. then when we got into the book, I was just like, Oh, this is too good. Yeah. Too good that's of a book. Good. to to have you weighed down with like, hmm. I want to, I want to talk about it. I want, yeah. I want you to draw. I want what's going on in your head. And we took a much more creative approach and that it's something I wrote down with making learning meaningful. Like it's okay to deviate from the plan. Um, as long as you're doing what's right for, for kids and, and for learning. So, yeah. so the first point that we made tonight, which is your point is what make learning meaningful, make it meaningful to you and to kids, not just, you know, and this, and this goes for PDs, everything you're doing, like make it meaningful. Yeah. That ties in nicely with, um, my first point. And again, as a, 
So this would be point number two overall. Uh, as an educator and an instructional coach who works with adults, I recognized very quickly in January that it's time to kind of take a pulse check and get early career teachers and the teachers that I work with in PLCs to really get them reflecting a little bit. Okay. Now this is always tricky when you do PD because people are like, ah, oh, just give me what I got to you know, get through and give me the PD, give me the content, whatever. But I really wanted them to take stock of where they are. So here's how I did this one. And this comes out of the great work of Growth Coaching International, which is uh, a group that I work with out of Australia and a coaching group. And they are fantastic. And I floated this idea to our instructional coaching group. And we tried this last Thursday in a PD. Now, you could do this on your own, but I don't know that it has the same effect. And I can unpack the reason why. So I'm going to share my screen and I will show you uh, how this positive strengths base, because this is my point. My point is, if you can take stock at this time of year and take a strengths-based approach to you, what are your strengths? Then you can harness those strengths and really be good for kids, okay? Kids and families. So taking stock of your strengths. And here's how we did this one. There are many ways to do this strengths-based approach. So we did this in breakout rooms. We, we were going to do breakout rooms and this is going to be five minutes per person in the breakout room, 10 minutes total, okay? And you could probably do this with uh, many groups. And I did show the phases of first-year teaching because what many people have said to me is, Look, these phases of first year teaching are not just exclusive to first year teachers or early career teachers. They are, in fact, something I feel like I'm living. And this stage right now of mid year, January, February, is that stage of disillusionment. It feels like things are starting to unravel a bit. It feels like things perhaps are, are you know, falling apart somewhat. So the way that we did this is to reflect back on our strengths from the year. Slide number three goes like this. So one partner is going to be the listener and the ask asking the questions, right? You're going to be partner A is going to be asking the questions and just listening. They're not adding anything. And here's what they do. They first ask, what is something that you've been really pleased about with your teaching this year? Okay. They ask that question, get them thinking. Then they ask them what made it go so well. And the only responses they can ask from here are what else and what else? That's the only stems they can use. The job of the listener or the person asking the questions here is to write down, and we, we preface this, to write down the strengths that they hear coming from their partner and the example that they're sharing. And the only thing they're doing is taking down notes and keywords about their strengths. Yeah, I was going to say keywords like that yeah. would be a big yeah. thing. And at the end, they affirm their partner's strengths by telling them the qualities that they heard. So here's what we heard from ours. Uh, the person I was with said, you're innovative. You were brave. You took a chance. Um, you were um, you were acting with good communication. Um, you're a good communicator. You were creative. So based on the time that I shared, these are the things that came up for me. Okay. And all they say is, from what I heard you say, a strength or strengths that you have are, and they name them out. And the only thing the partner does, because this is where teachers are really bad. They're really bad at taking compliments, right? Like, you know it. I know it. We're, we are really bad at taking compliments. Maybe not all of us, but some of us are really bad at it. And we've got to get better at that. Mm -hmm. Because if you can describe a time when you were at your best in your teaching this year, 
and somebody else can listen to it objectively and give you feedback on that thing and let you know your strengths, the only thing you need to do is just say thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, we had a couple of teachers, my partner included, who took the strengths that I listed for her. She took those strengths. She put them on an index card. She took, she, I said, you know, um, what are you going to do with that? She put them right next to her on her laptop as a key reminder for who she is and who she wants to become and who she wants to continue to be for her kids. And I thought that was such a cool little thing. So I was like, all right, that's one simple way. Let me like legitimately 10 minutes of time with a partner and, and doing this work. The other way that you can do this with a strengths-based approach, if you don't have the time to do this protocol that I listed, and we'll link this in the show notes, I'll link this protocol and, or I'll put it on maybe TikTok or on my uh, beacons and, and people can have at it. Uh, if they want to run this for PD or whatever. But the other way you can do this is just go to a person that you trust and just ask them the same exact question. Can you describe a time when I was at my best? And let them describe the time. And because you're detached from it, you're not telling the story. You're able to listen wholeheartedly and identify the strengths in that story as if it were somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a simple way. Um, and you could do this with the same thing with weaknesses too. If you wanted to really find out your weaknesses, can you tell me a time that I wasn't at my best? What did you notice? Mm -hmm. Right. What would have made it better? Right. Like those sorts of deep questions. So there you go. Taking a strengths-based approach, I think at this time of year and taking stock of your strengths can really help you get through the remainder of the year. All right, we're back to you. What's point number two on your end? We have uh, so far we have making learning full, making learning meaningful, and we have uh, taking a strengths-based approach to your own attributes. Just to piggyback on it for a second, I mean, yeah. we talk about we've talked about this on our past podcasts that you need to focus on the strengths, the good, what's going right, you know, and, and a lot as teachers, sometimes we focus on the negative or what needs to happen next. And again, it might be our, our expectations are high or there's never enough time in the day and you feel yeah. whatever you're feeling. I mean, there's a million different feelings as a teacher, but uh, yeah, that's so interesting. And I like how you said, what do you notice too, right? Yeah. It's all... Yeah. That's high level thinking. And that's what I try to teach kids too. What do you notice? Just talk about it. What do you notice? So and, important. Yeah. Um, okay. So my number two, I went all out of order with my my tips and ideas, <laughs> but I got number two. I'm going with number two. Was it going to be number two? Because I'm going to end with my number one. It's going to be my last one. But number two is make kids feel special. Mm the way that you speak with them, the way you, that you talk, the things that you do, um, and especially in remote, if you're teaching remote, if you're teaching a hybrid, um, the tone in which you use and how you really treat kids. There, there's two examples that I'll give you that, that we just did. So one was last week, our school, I'm on a leadership committee within our school. And something we started doing as remote teachers was I started doing, and I did this last year when I started teaching third grade, I started doing some shout outs and I would do them every once in a while. And I'd be like, give this, give this person a shout out, I'd put their name up on the board and you know, their picture. And I would say this, this kid's been rocking this and then all this. 
So my remote kids were doing so good this year. And I started that again with them. And I was like, you know what? All of you are doing an amazing job. Mm. And I boom, 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 right down the line in a grid view and said, you've done this, you've done that. You and the smiles on their faces were just could light up a room. Uh, They felt validated. Mm. They felt like their effort, like somebody was noticing them, right? Somebody noticed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they and it built relationships instantly. Like it took our relationship to another a next level, and I continue to do that. So you know, I'm on this leadership committee, and we were trying to figure out, man, these kids have been through a lot. Like, what can we do to make them essentially feel special? Mm. So we came up with this idea, and we did an entire school virtual Zoom leadership day. Uh, wow. It was fantastic. And the teachers did an amazing job. And every teacher had their own little spin on it. Like some had students giving shout out. Some were tying it into different habits that we were working on in class and tying it to like mission statements. And it was really, really powerful. And every single student left that assembly knowing, you know, and in the past, we used to do like one leader from one class. Mm. I always used to remember, and I think this is where it triggered for me at one point, mm. my eighth year of teaching, believe it or not, uh, that I was always that kid that didn't get picked. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I was never a leader, but at some point I had a mentor or someone, or maybe it was even myself. I don't know when the moment was that I became a leader and I don't, you know, I just stepped up, but, Maybe I'd have to think about that one, but I never got that and Mm -hmm. that hurt, you know? So Mm -hmm. all those kids left that, that leadership assembly feeling, feeling proud. Yeah. That's so important. And you know, one of the big things that I think I hear you saying there is that every child needs to be seen every day. And, and, and I think we say that, I think, you know, we say, you know, of course I see all of my kids every day, right? In the most literal sense, of course, but are you able to tap into stopping what it is you're doing and look them in the eyes and call them by name and ask them questions and really just be genuinely curious, not like in a hurry to get to the next thing or, you know, and and there are those times too, like, look, we're not perfect. We're not, you know, you get rushed. There are, there's a million and one decisions to make before 907. And, you know, it's challenging, but the idea that it's every kid by name with a smile every single day, right? That's, that's so simple to do. So yeah, that's, I love, I love your calling them out and, and making sure that they're, they're noticed um, for working hard. And it is very possible that, like you said, like at this point, every one of the members of this class has been just so resilient that they, everyone deserves to be noticed as a community. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's why I think, you know, and we could talk more about this in maybe another podcast, but that's why, uh, restorative justice circles are so powerful. Morning, the morning meeting is so powerful because, uh, sometimes we get caught up in, you're right, we got it, we got to get to math, we got to get this going. Sure. And uh, the transitions, transitions, teaching remote, I, I, I have finally realized how much time is spent on transitions and 
you know, when, when you're on zoom and the kids are muted and they're just locked into you, you can do a lot because there's no, we got to yeah. get up. We got to go to lunch. We got to do this. We got to do that. So I just think, you know, those things are so powerful. Morning meeting, restorative justice circles. These are all things that I've done throughout my career that have led me to this point. And the last thing I'll say about making kids feel special is just, you know, maybe drop in and just those, those kids that might be having the, the most trouble just saying like, I, tr- I trust you. Mm. You're going to make the right choice. I, I trust that you're going to, you're going to do the right thing. And especially if you're like remote or hybrid, like you don't know, you're putting all your faith into them and are they going to let you down? Maybe, mm. maybe mm. But they, the moment that you tell them like uh, the moment you have the attitude, like ah, he's not going to do it or she's not going to do it. You just lost faith in them. Yeah. They needed, and you were the only one who could give it to them. Right. And that goes back to that mindset piece, right? Which is like, if you want to look for that thing, you will find it. And right. Like it's that, it's that sort of cognitive bias that you, if you wake up with that mindset that things are just going to go awry, then your whole day is going to be shot. I can guarantee, like it's, I guarantee it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great point. All right. So that means we got, I got two. You only got one. So I got one. Yeah. So we get, so, so far on the list, we have make learning meaningful, get them to buy in. Right. Uh, and then we talk about taking stock of ourselves, which was my point, which is having a strength based, strength based reflection and approach to your day. And then you made the point of making students feel special in all the great ways that you did that. So, all right. My point number three, this is again about you taking care of you. If you don't take care of yourself, right, there is no way you can show up and be good for people. Now, I know that is easier said than done, but I think there are small steps that you can take. And I'm going to lay it on you one, one, one way that I do it. This is just me. This may not be anybody's approach, but this is just my approach. So I, my point number two is play offense, not defense. I wake up every morning and I try to do a few little things that set me on the right path. Okay. And what I'm going to suggest that I do for myself and just explain it is not something that'll work for everybody, but think about it. Think about your own start to your day, playing offense or defense. One way to do this is to wake up, grab your phone, check out Twitter, check your email, react to 15 different things that have happened. That's defense. Go downstairs, Um, you're reacting to the dishes that are in the sink. You're reacting to the clutter on the counter. We all have it. Um, and those things have to get done. There are things that have to get done, but there's a way to also play offense. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the way that you play offense is this, uh, for me, I wake up, I don't touch my phone. I don't touch my phone in that first, probably about an hour. So 5.15 wake, 6.15, maybe I grab my phone at that point. But here's what I do. I've gotten myself into a habit. Uh, I really had to take stock of my habits, thanks to James Clear um, and others. I wake up in the morning. I put my feet on the ground, and that is the cue for me to smile. It is sometimes a forced smile. I'm not going to lie. Other times, it is a really like grateful smile. Like I am happy to be here. It sounds cheesy. It sounds out of the norm, but I could tell you this, the minute I make that decision to hit, hit the floor and smile, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. I'm in control of my thoughts. 
I'm in control of my emotions and I start my day that way. The next thing I do, because others are still sleeping and um, I, I, so I don't have the chance to make my bed, but I'll get to that in a, a minute. I go downstairs, um, I hydrate. I drink an entire 16 ounces of water in one shot and I'm in control of that water, right? Like I'm, I'm take, I fill it up. I take it. I'm in control. I'm playing offense. The next thing I do, depending on whether or not if I'm fasting or not fasting that day is I think about what am I going to eat and what choice am I, I going to make about the food that I'm about to eat? Then I grab my coffee because everybody that I know needs some coffee. I like to nurse my coffee throughout the entire day. So, uh, till about 11 o'clock, but I get my coffee in after that, which is, probably a little counter to that hydration, but whatever. Um, then I do a quick write. Okay. My quick writes, and I could probably just show this to the screen. My quick writes are like one pagers. They're not, these are not deep writes. And it basically consists of gratitude. What's going to make today great. What's a quote that I'm focused on. could be a quote that I come up with, could be something else, or what's an affirmation or something I'm thinking of. And then what are some things like three things that have my attention for the day? And I just jot those things out, right? And I do a little evening one too. And I know you talked about journaling recently too. Mm -hmm. So I do that. That's one page, boom, done. And then I read a little bit. Now, lately, I've gotten lucky with this one where I read a little bit from the Daily Stoic. And these are short. Um, these are really, really short. One page, even like a sort of a third of a page. And each day has its own designation. And sort of a uh, a quote from the Stoics and a little unpacking of that. So I read a little bit, but that read is quick, right? So I'm still playing offense, made a choice to write, made a choice to read. Then I go upstairs and I do push-ups. Again, I do something physical. I'm in control. I'm making a choice and I stretch. Uh, I notoriously am, I've got really bad hamstrings, really bad um, sort of outer IT band issues. And so I've got a lot of uh, strengthening that needs to, to occur. So stretching is really important. But what it does is it puts me in control. Now, all of that takes, you know, that first hour. And then I could check my phone and really check in. Sometimes I post something that I'm thinking about or has my attention from the morning, right? Um, and there are days that I don't get to all of this, but there are most days I get to everything um, within reason. And so like, there may be one or two things, like not every day has a right, right? Like there may be some days that I'm just like, I'm not writing that day or, um, very seldom do I skip the reading because that feels pretty easy. Um, and it's right there. I leave everything right in the kitchen, uh, which can be annoying and also a blessing too, but, uh, I need to bolster those habits. So that's it. And, and what that does for me, and then I make the bed, um, or my wife, depending on who's making the bed that day, one of us make the bed, all of those things lead us to having a sort of progress principle, like right? that idea of following something that gets you on the path for the day. Now, I still have to react to things. You have to react to things. But ultimately, I get in there and I am on a path to make decisions about who I want to be for the day and how I'm going to show up. I've already done like four or five things that are really meaningful. Um, and I've done those all before I even head out the door. So whatever's next, I'm ready for. I just reacted. I didn't react to that email. I didn't react to the news. Um, you know, I'm just sort of a little bit more clear at that point. So there you go. Play offense, not defense at this time of year. I love Makes it. Small changes. There you go. So, all right. What do you think? Point number, point number, we're at point number five now in this podcast. Oh yeah. Point what number you, five. What do you got? Uh, this is actually my last one. Uh, okay. So... My last tip for right now for 
teachers is really have a clear reason on your why. Mm. Uh, it's very important to have a mission statement or something you reflect on, just like you were talking about journaling, a quote, something that, that motivates yeah. you. I think about that teacher who put that post-it note on yeah. her laptop, like those kinds of mm. things. Like what is your why and why are you doing what you're doing? I have, I have a few. Mm-hmm. I have a few whys. Um, I have a few, and it, it's it's tough because um, some of mine are so there's so much trauma mm. inside them mm. that has affected me that that motivates me to want to be a better teacher, a mm. better father. Um, you know, I I can share one really one story that really, um, this is probably the root of me teaching. So, Hmm. um, I started out and you know that on the first podcast I had started out as a, well, I started as a substitute and then we had our second child and I needed some income and I started out in, uh, pre-K. Yeah. And I took over for a classroom and the teacher, there was a student in there that had a lot going on, a lot of behavior issues, things like that. Um, and he was, he was very difficult for a lot of different teachers. And the way that they talked about him was, um, you know, I, I didn't quite understand. Um, and when I got into the room, he's only, he's four years old. He was, um, he was challenging. Sure. He pushed back, you know, and Somehow during this year, me and him connected. We got we had, we got a relationship. We figured out what worked, what didn't work. We got to we bonded. We mm-hmm. we um we really just we figured each other out without even knowing it. Um, and all those things just kind of went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted somebody to kind of be there and accountable and be like, have some structures in place and things like that. And mm-hmm. that's all he really needed. And we built a really good relationship. And, and then, and then I left in March and I actually took over for a class in Westminster and I had to leave the class. Now mm. he's in pre-K four. So he's going to go into kindergarten the next year. You know, we had summer, we we're ready to go. I was going to do, and I had built such a strong relationship with him. We talked about doing like a, like, you know, playing basketball and stuff and like hanging out on the weekends and things like that. Once school mm-hmm. had kind of blown over. Uh, so it was like the first week of summer and I had gotten a phone call that he passed away. Oh yeah. And, uh, it was really, really difficult, um, to, to, to hear. It was just, you know, it, it was really bad. Um, hmm. and, Lots of emotions, you know, I broke down. I was actually, I was actually out golfing. It was the first week of, it was the first thing I did that summer. So I'm getting ready to like get with them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so I, I, I can't even process how much that experience like affected me and like mm-hmm. taught me and like, but all I do know is, is that number one, I keep a picture of him. Mm next to all my classes. He's, he's got a picture 
with all my classes. He's got his own special picture. And uh, I keep that. And I, you know, I don't keep really keep a mission statement or anything, mm -hmm. uh, but he, he's there with all my other classes lined up and I have a picture from every year. And that is my, like my why mm -hmm. when I look at those and I have my kids pictures there with them. And, um, you know, he helped me so much to become the person I am today. Well, I can tell you this, I, you know, and obviously not knowing this child, but I, I can guarantee you that child, uh, is, is proud of who you've become as a result of that relationship and how you've carried on for so many kids thereafter. Uh, that's, that's clear. You've done remarkable things and yeah, for you to share that story and something so deeply personal. And I mean, that takes a lot of courage to do that one. But then two, to have that as the sort of wind behind your back and that, that's driving you forward and making you the educator you've been for so long for the next generation or the next class or to have that impact on all kids mm -hmm. uh, is super inspiring to hear that story. And more people need to hear that story for sure. Well, and I think you and maybe only two other people actually know that story. Uh, besides people who have known him. And I think for a long time, I didn't tell people. Yeah. Just because. Understandable. You know, it's, it's, and this is still, this is a long time ago that this happened. But um, I think if he were here, and I always keep track of what age he would be. Mm. And just um, knowing that every, every kid that comes my way, I want to treat them like I treated him. I want to build mm. relationships like I did with him. I want to have a positive impact in their life because life is so short. Yeah. And, um, you know, every kid deserves to be just treated back to the number two, treated special and, and just. Yeah, dude. And you're, and you're living that out, man. Like that's, you are, that's who you are at the core. Right. And I think to have had that experience and to know that that's the foundation for how you treat everybody mm -hmm. is um, a testament to that child. It's a testament to the belief you had in him, the belief he had in you and the relationship formed as a result. And it's possible for every kid, like you said, every child deserves a hero. Yeah, no doubt. Man, that's a, that's a powerful piece right there, man. Yeah. I give you a lot of, I give you a lot of credit for, um, being able to persevere through that experience. And, and, and again, like you said, like it's still with you. It's not like it's, it's yeah. not going anywhere. Right. But it's the driving force and it's a force for good for sure right now. So yeah, that's a tough one to come out of, um, to move on to the next, uh, piece because, um, but, but I, but I think it's getting clear on your why. So, I mean, like, you know, that, that really helps you get clear on that, that why, which is the experience you have or the impact that you've had on some knowing that, that it can be duplicated and, and replicated in ways for others. And really just, you know, because what you, what you described in that experience is a belief in another person, a belief in another human being. And the relationship formed about having a positive intent, mm -hmm. right? 
and assuming that that child still had or that person because like we got to we got to make this a little bit bigger in the sense that it's really about people. Yeah, and that that person also had a belief in you, and he uh, assumed positive intent and vibes from you. And when you operate in that world, man, like the you know nothing's off limits. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's just like you said, vibes, right? We are like very intuitive people. And I feel like teachers who are more intuitive are very, very successful because they can feel they can feel the vibes. They can feel the intuition from mm-hmm. from others. And kids, I think, have a huge, strong intuition, right? So um, and it has to be authentic. It has yeah. to be like it has to be real. And if it's yeah. not, kids will probably sniff it out before. Anybody. Yeah, and I, that that goes back to my uh, Adam. Uh, Adam just wrote in a, a comment here on the live stream, and, and his point was, it's got to be authentic um, because kids can tell when you're just saying stuff, right? Like they can tell when you're not being your true self. They can tell when you are. And look, I still need you to be an educator. I don't need you to be so authentic that you're like, you know what? Like today, I just don't feel like working. And guys, I need everybody to put their head down and um, I'm going to turn off the lights. Like it doesn't work that way, right? Like that's, it can't be that authentic. You still got to show up and, and do the work and the and the job and the and the, the work ahead for, for, for kids. But being authentic in the sense of relationships and letting kids know that you see them, you care about them, you want to hear their stories, you're curious about how they operate, how they learn best, like all of that stuff, that relationship building stuff, like kids know what you, like, like you said, kids know when you're sort of not being true about those things or you're really not listening. Yeah. And that's why I always encourage people. I'm like, look, it, the one thing that I've learned from all of my coaching experiences is and I'm not saying that I have this mastered, but is working on my listening. And there are ways to work on yourself as a listener and so that you can show up for people. Um, And I would encourage all people uh, in in education to really work on listening Um, because yeah, get down to their level. Don't try and be in two conversations, really give them their undivided attention. And yes, some kids are going to be uh, like my own kids, you give my kids that kind of attention, they might try and suck your time. Uh, my my own stu- my own children. Um, but you know, the point is, like you said, to make sure that you see them, that you're being authentic with them, and that you value the relationship. That's the key right there. So, real really well put. All right, so we're on to our sixth point. Should we recap now, or should we recap in a minute? We'll recap in a minute. Yeah, we'll recap because then we'll go and. All right. It's like I do. I really need another um, pen because I dropped one in this in the live stream here. So now I'm going into the the jar of the same flare pens. All right, teachers always have enough pens. Got enough. Uh, yeah, you don't want to see what is over here. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to reveal this. I don't know who's watching, but like, here, yes, here here's here's the stock of of sharpies and pens that live in a household of educators. And so there Time. it is. All right, here we go. Uh, point number six, when it comes to making sure that you are persevering through the middle of the year, January into February or the halfway mark of your year, point number six is this something you could all do in your classroom. And I'm going to make it about as basic as I can make it in the sense that I think everybody should try this. Maybe you should, you're, you know what, this be our opening for our next podcast. You should try this this week. Okay. And, uh, take it on. 
Gonna uh, do it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. This is a, I ran this as a course with educators last year and it was the day before we went out for COVID in March was the last class. It was supposed to be the last class. And, um, we were supposed to share our projects that we created and unfortunately that got disrupted. So here we go, but you can do this on your own. It's an inquiry action research. It's like a little mini inquiry. Okay. And here's how, here's how I would go with a structure. This is, this is what I would recommend and other people have recommended this. Okay. Come up with a list of questions. Okay. About your students, about learning, about your curriculum, about something you want your kids to be able to do. Okay. Here's the, here's the big tip for this. When you write your questions out, write them and just brainstorm the entire list, but write them only with what and how to start. Okay. Don't get into whys. Whys will never lead you down a good path. And why is mostly accusatory. All right, but here we go. So you start with these what's and how's. An example of that would be something like, how can I increase engagement through play? Right? Like something like that in the classroom. And all you're going to do, or how can I increase engagement in a virtual setting? Mm-hmm. Great question. Okay. Once you have your question listed, you're going to create a plan to study this thing. Okay. Now that plan is going to be about as basic as you can make it in the sense that I'm just going to commit to trying three new things this week that could bolster the responses to my question. How can I increase engagement in a virtual setting? I'm going to try three things and I'm just going to watch them as a curious observer. So this is step number. So that's step number two is create the plan. Okay. Step number three is to try these approaches in class. Commit to two or three approaches, something you're going to change, try them out. Then you have to commit to doing the research. So as these things are happening, you're watching. You're watching with a careful eye. You're kind of observing, like, is is engagement increasing? Are they doing something different? Is there a little bit of a different vibe with this new structure that I put in place? And then you're going to collect some data, right? Like you're going to collect like soft data. Like, you know, I noticed that better than you know, 75% of my kids were, were writing in the comments or, you know, better than oh, hundred percent of my students were whatever you're the way you're trying to increase engagement. They were sketching in their notebook. They were silent. They were engaged. They were asking questions, whatever your data you're collecting, then just adjust your instruction, right? Just adjust the one thing to say like, all right, if this thing, this implementation that I put in place to increase engagement in a virtual setting, technology, uh, a new way for them to communicate using docs, using slides, using Jamboard, whatever the thing is, does it have an impact on engagement? Right now you can, you could, you can check for that. You can ask them the question, right? Like a little exit survey Mm -hmm. on a scale of one to 10, how engaged were you in today's lesson? Right? Like you can collect that kind of data and that doesn't take you much other than just having kids drop a number in the chat or maybe, maybe you have it on a form or whatever. Uh, and then you adjust for that. You say like, all right, if that works, if better than, you know, half of my class were engaged in that activity, what do I need to try next to get the other half engaged? Or if I had hundred percent, how do I do more of that thing? And that's mm-hmm. what I mean about the adjustment. So yeah, there you have it. a little mini inquiry. Um, simple. It's, it's genius. Wow. A lot of other people have written about it before me, but I am glad to bring it to you. And I think you're right. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a cool. I ran it as a full course last year, so I had about um, 
14 educators who were in the in the course, mm-hmm. I think, or 10, maybe maybe 10. And we did it in parts. And and I tried to leverage partnerships to help them generate their questions, help each partner generate their um their plan. And then you had an accountability partner who could help you. So the the one colleague that was uh, doing the how do I increase engagement through play? We just captured some straight up as our data. We captured some straight up video with a phone. Mm-hmm. I walked in there. We watched the kids at play, and we're like, "All right, on a scale of like one to ten, how engaged do we think kids were during that that time? Right? Like, were they more engaged through the play? And then we then it led us down a path of like, how do we incorporate storytelling through play? Right? Mm-hmm. Like that was our next question. So we adjusted the question as a result of this research that we were doing and all the research was basic can you give me okay so i have two questions yeah 100 one can you give me like a list i'm like a list guy like give me a few like examples of like some things that you you guys had come up with so the play okay. one yeah so the, the how do i increase engagement through play that was uh steve's uh question right i thought that was great and he collected data for that using um his phone the other question was, how do I get more participation in math class? Mm-hmm. Right? Like that was a thing. Um, so it came down to doing things like um, number routines where there weren't direct answers. And it was more of like those, uh, I think they call them, like we call them grand conversations in uh, in literacy. I think uh, the math uh, folks call them like a Congress. They, they hold like a Congress in, in math sometimes where they have this sort of whole group discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one question. How do we increase uh, engagement and participation in math? The uh, See, the literacy guy does know some stuff about math too. Um, but uh, we, we had another one who was, how do I increase talk? Uh, how do I get increased? The same question, basically in math, uh, same same question in, in literacy, which is in a fifth grade classroom, how do I increase uh, levels of talk? And how do I get to deeper level thinking around that talk? And the way that we did that was uh, really setting up some uh, weekly grand conversations and we research kids who participates. How do we encourage more participation? How do we get kids showing up to uh, grand conversations with something prepared so that they feel confident to do this work? So it was a really cool little research study. And and what people really liked about it was all of the learning was in their hands. It was, it was happening live and in their classroom. They were in charge of the inquiry. So they could adjust it. They could change it. They led to new questions. They were collecting like cool data, like, like, all right, there's like collecting data, right. But then there's like the collecting data. That's like, that I come up up with at like nine o'clock in the morning, right. Or before kids get there, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to kind of give them this survey. It's going to be a scaling question. And I'm just going to see where it goes. And I'm just going to put it up on the board. Right. Or, you know, I'm going to have them you know, talk about that experience or have them film their conversations today, like whatever the thing was. So yeah, it was really laid back. See, cause this leads me to, so I'm with my team right now and we're talking, we're running a PLC, right. Yeah. And, and we're running a PLC together. And a lot of it is very, very basic to me, like word study or, sure. you know what I mean? Like it, it's, we're, we're, I'm trying to think a little bit bigger like Love what it. do you really do to make a an impact right now in this moment and this is like yeah this is it you know yeah. i'm even thinking right off the top of my head like in remote learning how can we get kids talking mm-hmm. more right like let's brainstorm some ideas 
let's plan and like that's it. Let's let's figure out how we can do this because kids are muted a lot and they're not getting to talk mm-hmm. as much as they probably would in the classroom. So how do we fix that? Yeah. And that's an easy thing to measure and collect data for, right? But like, mm-hmm. you know, you could you could record one of your Zooms, watch it back, record a 45 minute clip, watch it back and get the baseline for how much talk um, or how much participation you have based on who talks during that time and then try something new like a new little strategy or like, and I, and I suggest like, don't take on something that's so heavy of a lift, mm-hmm. like take on a small lift here, right? Like go in there and start pushing around logical dumbbells in your, in your, in your workload. Like don't, don't go in there and look into, you know, squat the rack here. Okay. Um, but I think it's important that you take on a small bite of this because then you can check it. You can say, all right, if we put this in place, increase talk through blank, um, what's the, what's the change, you know, what's the reality now let's collect that, but then what's the change. And then you come back as that PLC and you, you unpack that. Hey, I tried, you know, whatever, getting them to write before they, they talk or getting them to drop something in the chat or everybody was unmuted and we had some norms for that, whatever your thing is. Um, yeah, just, and then, like you said, like tap into that room of like the smartest people in that room are the room right? Like it's, yeah. it's all of, all of you together, um, that collective knowledge. So that's really cool. No yeah. doubt. I love it. All right. So what were our six things that we came up with? All right. Six things were make learning meaningful. Take a, that was number one. Number two was to take a strengths based approach to you and your reflection of yourself. Number three was to make students feel special, make sure that they are seen. Number four was play offense, not defense. Starts early in the morning for that one. Number five was to get clear on your why. And number six was to take on a mini inquiry or action research question in your teaching. I mean, that's some amazing stuff. That's pretty cool, dude. I I feel like, you know, and as we kind of wrap it up, just for everyone out there, you know, we, we love to hear from you. We love hearing, you know, everything you come to us with on social media. We have literally list of topics. I came up with two of them while Brian and I were talking, but I think, you know, Brian and I are learning so much just from each other that just these conversations each week, I become a better teacher just talking with Brian and I hope I'm helping Brian too. 100%. And, uh, you know, we go back and we go back to our schools and, you know, we're helping our community. We're making our kids better, better learners, better, better, um, better human beings, you know, and, uh, you know, we love having all of you here if you're listening and, you know, we, we'd love to hear from you because the, just this vibe that Brian and I got going on right now is, uh, it's, it's really good. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. So, um, Brian, if you don't have anything else, I think we'll wrap it up. That's it, man. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we really appreciate it. Reach out to us on uh, on our uh, handles, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here for this episode. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing. 
And if you get a chance, leave us a comment about this episode or any episode to this point. We really enjoy your comments. They are going to be the driving force behind the content that we create on this podcast. And until next time, thank you so much. Have a great day.